0: ready for the world's number one late-night radio show and podcast.
1: And welcome back, boys and girls, for another special edition of the Michael Deacon Program. Joining me in a moment is Mr. Marshall Masters. He has written numerous books addressing earth changes, space threats, and sustainable survival strategies and technologies. His mission is to help survival community leaders to create sustainable communication strategies using affordable two-way radios. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Mr. Marshall Masters.
0: Hey, Michael, it's great to be back.
1: It's very, very good to be back here with you, sharing the air with you, my friend. And I must say, Marshall, that last one, I'll be honest with you, it really scared the hell out of a lot of people out there.
0: Well. In it a got good way. It their attention.
1: It really did. Now,
0: that's right. It did. And now what we have to do is <clears throat> let's deliver the goods. Let's give them some information that's going to help them out in the years to come.
1: Absolutely. And by the way, not to go too far off course here, but last night we talked about uh, Apophis, by the way, which I know is something that's often talked about here and there. And uh, just today... Not very long ago, there was a 4.7 earthquake in Thousand Oaks, California. And as you know, not many earthquakes happen out there, Marshall. And the question was asked just last night on the program here by my co-host. He was asking me if I believed that Southern California would actually end up in the ocean someday. And I said, absolutely, we're going to return. Well, the ocean will rise and basically take back what is properly belongs to basically the ocean, Marshall.
0: Well, the thing about California is there have been predictions of this, California going under, golly gee, for
1: Forever. 70,
0: 80 years. Yeah. All right. And there's a lot of it. <clears throat> what I can tell you is the coastlines, the East Coast and the West Coast, are going to be hard hit. And uh, I see actually even more loss of life for the East Coast than the West Coast. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's hard to say. I cover all of this in my books. The thing about the West Coast is that we start having tsunamis that are going to go. You have a really tricky number of fault lines moving up and down the coast. and Myself, I remember when my mother passed away, and uh, this was in 2008, and I had a profound shared death experience with her, and it kind of tell you a little bit about what I was shown would happen to California. And at that time, I had just moved into the Santa Cruz area right there off the Monterey Bay and uh, was just getting familiar with it, the different major sites, university and such. And when my mother was passing, uh, you know, I got the phone call, uh, you need to come. Now, I had to go from there to San Jose to catch a flight and then go to Phoenix. So it's about a 90-minute flight on Southwest. And I knew that she was right on the edge. My sister wouldn't have said come until... It was pretty close. And I got on the airplane. And in my mind, I'm thinking about doing a meditation with my mother Hmm. to see if we could arrange a way to connect on the other side. That Uh was my intention. Right. And what happened was she, when I reconstructed the timeline, about the time the pilots throttled up for takeoff is when she passed away. And as the airplane was rising and, you know, the gears come up and the 737, it's a little noisier than others. So when the gears came up and locked, literally within seconds of that, I was out of the airplane and I was with my mother. And, and she was 80 when she passed. But on the other side, you look much younger, You like in your prime, in your 30s and so and her her disposition was much more mild than it was in her later years and she took me by the hand and said there's some things i need to show you as we were doing that you know talking i i didn't want to see something i was actually talking to her about family issues things that were going on and she was patient in dealing with it and then finally Again, she just said, I have something to show you. This time, no talking. She just took me. And next thing I knew, there I am standing on uh, a mountainside overlooking the Monterey Bay. And I knew that uh, what was above me, the bay above me, and I could see in the far distance the Monterey Peninsula. Coming out, and what I saw next was in the vicinity of what was it uh, Fort Ord, which has been closed, there was a volcanic eruption, and literally a mountain came up like about three hundred feet, and there was all kinds of magma rolling off of it it was it was pretty bad, and uh excuse me. That's, I muted so I could sneeze. Yeah, no worries. So <clears throat> I saw the magma coming off this mountain that had just risen up. It went into the bay, and it was right at, if anyone's familiar with uh, the trench in the Monterey Bay. It was at the neck of the trench. And all of a sudden, there was just a huge amount of steam billowing up. And we were both, She, my mom was standing with me on the top of this hill with a good elevation. And we were looking at all of this, and then all of a sudden I was surrounded by all of this uh, steam, which then turned uh, bluish as the particulates got into it. And it was so thick, I remember just standing there. It was very clear. This is IMAX clarity. I mean, wow, just amazing view. And I remember holding my hand up in front of my face, and I couldn't see my hand. It was that thick. And then it dissipated, and I looked down, and I saw that I was standing in ash up to my shins. Oh, my. And then when I looked out, I could see what had happened to the Santa Cruz uh, area. Hmm. There's a whole lot of little towns that dotted around the coast there. Oh, yeah. And they were gone. Everything in the Bay Area was absolutely leveled. All I could see were the broken pieces of highway and roads, some foundations, things like that. Otherwise, all of the trees, telephone poles, whatever that remained, were always pointing due west out to sea. And it was, it was that was it the whole area just had been like hydraulic sandpaper had scraped it then she said i'm going to show you something else and my mother took my hand and we moved forward in time i don't know how many years but it was it was considerable yeah and this time i was west of the bay and looking at it and interestingly the the monorailers Bay had actually grown in size because of its location on the fault lines and the whole thing in front of me looked very much in terms of vegetation like Hilo on the east side of the big island of Hawaii. It looked like Hilo and I was what what mesmerized me was the sand because I was always walking on those beaches all the time. That was my favorite thing to do every day. And the beaches tended to be a little brownish like construction sand because they had to keep replenishing. But this time, the sand was as white as sugar, absolutely as white as sugar. And I could not see any footprints, any sign of life. It was all perfect and untouched. And also the water, there, was no, there were no birds There was no sea life in this area right now, if you're out there, folks that live there, I mean, there's tremendous sea life and uh, so many birds. All of it was gone. There was no sign of animal life. And we were just floating there looking at it. And as we came to dusk, you know, that time when, you know, just before the streetlights start to come on. Oh, yes. And... We were at dusk and I could see lights starting to occur on the mountainsides Santa Cruz mountains so I knew there was people living there but they were not I mean it was just a small fraction maybe 1 or 2% of the number of people that are living there now and I could and I didn't see any lines of smoke which you would see from a chimney so these people were able to light uh, with some other kind of technology, and we were sitting there looking at that. And before my mother could tell me something, the wheels came down out of the, uh, you know, out of the jet, and that lurched me out of this experience with my mother. And I'm in my body again. And the next thing I know, I have a stewardess. Cracks me in the in the jaw. She slaps me so hard I could hear bells ring. I am serious. Damn. And she rears up to crack me again. And I this time I hold up my hands. I said, Lady, stop beating on me. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> and the first thing she did was she turned, looked to another stewardess, and said, Call Sky Harbor, tell them we don't need the ambulance. And Then she turned, she said, After we left Phoenix, you just went limp, looked like you just fell asleep and you were exhausted. And she said, You weren't moving. And after a while, we really started to get a little concerned. So we went over to shake you and you wouldn't respond. And at that point, we were really seriously worried that you had had a stroke and we had called ahead to Phoenix to have them have an ambulance ready. Uh, to get you at the gate and to get you straight to the hospital. And I was, wow, you know, and she told me she had been actually cracking me in the face, slapping me for 15 minutes before I came to.
1: Damn, Marshall. Marshall
0: i was out of my body you were gone shared experience with my mom yeah and that was that and so what my mother was wanting to do was saying this is going to happen in the future now the corker is what i discovered afterwards i have an experience like this you know i'm i'm a geek i gotta i gotta dig into it and so the first thing i did was i remembered where that mountain came up, which seemed so peculiar to me. But then I found the map of the area with the fault lines. Uh, That map has since been sponged, along with a lot of other good stuff. But I found that map, and there was the San Andrea, and then another major fault line, the Juan de Fuca. But what was the corker is that there were transecting lines. They were short ones between these two major fault lines. And it literally made a rectangular box-like pattern of four fault lines intersecting. And I asked a geologist about it, and he said, Oh yeah, he said that's ex- that would exactly explain what you saw. It's like a cork coming out of a bottle of champagne. And I'm going, okay, that's validation number one. And then About six months later, I was asked by someone to give him a ride up to the university. And it was the first time, actually, I went up to uh, Santa Cruz, the the university there. And it's up at the top of a big mountain. And I went up and dropped her off. And as I'm coming back, I saw the exact place where I had been standing with my mother when I had witnessed that eruption. And I pulled over. And I'm standing there, and I am telling you, that's exactly to the inch where I was standing in that shared death experience, looking out at the Bay Area. Now, what are the odds of that? So I had two fabulous forms of confirmation of this experience. So I know what's going to happen to the West Coast. Now, the East Coast is a different thing. That is something I explain in my book, Revelation and Planet X. And I explain that in good detail, drawing from a prophecy that was given to me 10 years ago by a guide by the name of Carlos, of what the things that are going to we're going to be seeing in the course of the next uh, year, year and a half. What I can tell you is that the the first event in the book. There's three of. There's actually in Revelation and Planet X. I give you the timeline for 2024 through to 2037 which is when this is this tribulation we're now in the tribulation we're just in the harbinger phase of it we're starting to see things one of the prophecies i didn't mention in the book it's a compilation of privacies, is the hopi red kachina blue kachina and we talked about this i believe last time on my signs 85 article correct right and so uh and i just sent you uh, uh, these red Kachina things are starting to pop in now. Yes. You know, and I, I always, when I see something, it's like, well, is it a one trick pony or do we have a trend? And when I was starting to see these, uh, red Kachina, uh, images of Nemesis, it was for me, uh, you know i'm kind of i don't know you know let's see and then boom they started coming in on a steady stream and now we're starting to see and if for your audience there's a i give a very explicit scientific explanation and you should really read that in my science 85 article on Yowza.com, Y-O-W-U-S-A.com. And there's something that, you know, I, I want to make a point of telling people. I have a Telegram channel, Yowza, chat. And this is where, you know, I've got a, some guys there that are really all over this. I call them my maniacs. <laughs> you got to be a maniac to do this. And uh, you you're sure as hell aren't normal. me, I can tell you that. Uh, normies don't do this. That's right. And I, For whatever reason, I don't know, I, I don't understand them. Find a normie and have them explain it to you. But we are seeing this new pattern. It's solid. It's there. I explained the science in the Science 85 interview. You guys can, I, I think we covered it somewhat. You can read the article, go back, and listen to that previous, interview that we did and it really is an eye catcher because the hopi prophecy is hundreds of years old right and we definitely i mean this is the red kachina prophecy is fulfilled and i explain the science of it which is not what you're going to get you have a lot of you have a few channels on youtube that are able to put out these things but it's a mix. They got stuff that is really good. And then they have stuff that is, you know, where did you come up with? Not this really
1: company, bad, right?
0: right? Yeah. And it's crapola. Um, but what I find disappointing more than anything else is how they explain things. They don't do any homework on it. It's kind of shoot from the hip, whatever seems to sound intelligent. And, many times when they're explaining these videos that are coming in they just do an awful job of it which is the reason why they're still up haven't been taken down you know you know what it's like to get the strikes right too well how come these too guys well. don't get the strikes they're monetized they're they're on a topic it used to be on youtube you put up an observation video you'd have thousands of views the first oh, yeah. day now you're lucky if you break 100 after a week Pretty because much. they throttle it down so much.
1: Right. The algorithm is uh, very much against this, Marshall.
0: Oh, God. You know, that's an understatement, brother. And, uh, right. you know, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Uh, we have to deal with it. So for you folks, go read my article, Signs 85, and go through it because I give you this science. All right? And when I tell you I'm giving you the science, you know, a lot of people tell you giving, they're giving you science and what they're giving you is happy bullshit. The difference between real science and happy bullshit science, real science you can independently verify. And when you read my Science 85, I give you the science so that you can do your own homework and see what I'm saying for yourself. It's not something where you have to just take it, you know, take it on good faith. So I don't know. That doesn't work for me. The whole point of the Kachina prophecies is that they uh, the Red Kachina is a benign harbinger. All good prophecy is in two points, in two parts. First, you have a harbinger, and then you have the event. The purpose of the harbinger is to give you something in your environment that is immediately recognizable, but it is benign. It's not going to cause death and destruction. However, when you see that benign aspect, you know that you are on the timeline of that event and that that event will occur and you will be in it. All right. So, what the Red Kachina prophecy really is doing now is it is tasking everyone with the same question: Will you fight for your life? And here is the thing that really um, it saddens me because the power of human denial is it's just staggering.
1: Right, it's absurd.
0: It, it's people will just, I don't want to say it, It's you know, if I don't, it, you know what it reminds me of is when I was taking flying lessons years ago and my instructor said, okay, Marshall, do you know what the nighttime emergency landing procedure for an engine out failure on a single engine aircraft is? And I'm looking at him like, I don't even know where the hell to put the key. Come on, what are you talking about here? Right? <laughs> right. And he goes, Okay, I will tell you what the single engine, nighttime, emergency, engine has failed landing procedure is. It is as follows Descend to an altitude of 100 feet above the ground, then turn on. Your landing lights. If you don't like what you see, turn the lights off. That's it. That's it. That's the procedure. If you don't like what you see, turn the lights (laughs) off. Wait, what? (laughs) And, uh, you know, when you start thinking about people who are the normies and how they just look at this, and it's terrible over the years. I've had so many people contact me. And I mean, I had I lost a, a marriage to this knowledge. All right, we're twenty years. Right. We're still the best of friends, uh, but you know, my former wife. Uh, all the time I'm publishing and writing books on Planet X and doing everything, she's just telling me it's all bullshit. Nothing's going to happen, and I don't want to hear about it. And that really, you know, that kind of grinds on you. We just. Found a way to grin and bear it, but her mother was even more adamant about it. And, uh, you know, the day the judge signed the papers, we were still in love with each other. I wasn't divorcing my wife, we didn't have a reason to. I was divorcing my mother in law. (laughs) Okay. And this is the kind of thing that happens to people who have come into awareness like this all the time. And it's really awful. And it happens to both men and women. I call it spoiler spouses. Now, I must be honest with you. 90% of the time, the spoiler spouse is the wife, because women do go into fear much more easily than men. And uh, then what happens is the spoiler spouse starts saying, they start hitting the big red panic button, you know, stop this or I'm going to divorce you. Right. Stop this or I'm going to divorce you. And the problem is, is once you wake up, you can't stop. You're like a never, you know, like the little energizer buddy, bang, 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 bang. And you, you can't reach around behind you to turn the switch off. you got to keep going. And so it's miserable. And inevitably what happens, whether the spoiler spouse is a husband or a wife, the one who is in awareness, inevitably, 95% of the time, 95%, is the one that files for the divorce. Because once you start using the D word in a marriage, the marriage is on, it's, it's going to go. And the one who's being abused is just going to say, I love you, but I don't love this bullshit. Right. And you go away. Now, sometimes it can work out. I remember one lady, and her husband was giving her the jazz, all right? And she kept having dreams and premonitions about flooding and uh, water rising. Mm. Well, her and her husband had built a house along the bank of a river that was a very calm, stable river. And she was, you know, she refused to stop doing her Planet X research, and she kept telling him, I keep seeing, you know, flooding, 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 you know. Well, he divorced her. And he not only divorced her, But on the house they had, he bought out her half of the house. Oh, wow. And at that point, their marriage was toast and gone, and she's getting back on her feet. Literally, within six months after the divorce, there was a flood event that was a 100-year event. A 100-year event. Wow. And it came down that river, and literally... There was nothing left of that house, and her husband did not have insurance for that, and he lost everything. Yikes! And she didn't give him a penny. It didn't help
1: him. <laughs> wow. You know,
0: she was tired of it. Yeah. She was being, you know. Yeah. Uh, being put down. So it goes on like this, and it's like, will you fight for your life? And you're trying to deal with people who they don't want to hear this. Now you have. An audience like my audience, it's much more in awareness,
1: right? Very much, much more uh, open-minded than uh, the normies, I'd say.
0: Oh, no, definitely. Way more and, normal, you know. Than those, what's coming with this tribulation, and if you want to know what's coming and what you can do about it, you read my book Revelation and Planet X. I wrote it for people who are in awareness. It gives you not only the timeline by year and season in great detail. And it's, again, it's prophecy. So the rule is that with prophecy, always be mindful of it, but never live in expectation. But there are some consistent patterns in there that you can see. I think that the book, what the book gives you that is more valuable than that timeline is what you can do as an individual to access your own psychic abilities to get beyond this. It's everybody, you know, they start thinking about guns, bullets, you know, night scopes and all kinds of technology. Well, that stuff can get smashed and bashed. Yeah. What I'm teaching people is how to use your God-given psychic abilities and to enhance them. So, that you have a serious life saving advantage and that you understand what's going on. And also, that the most important thing we have to wake up to is that our species right now is teetering on the brink of genetic extinction. If anyone, and I'm sorry for those of you out there that are jabbed, doesn't matter if it's one or how many, you know, you took the whole full court press on it, but the thing of it is that if you've had one active mRNA vaccine, you are no longer homo sapien. You are homo synthetic, or some would even say homo satanic.
1: Yeah, homo satanic. We like that here.
0: Right. And because, you know, think about the Westerns, and they got the cattle rustlers, and the cattle rustlers steal the herd, and they take it off somewhere. And What's the first thing they do after they get their booty, if you will, <laughs> off to where they have some privacy? Right. Is they get out the steel and make a way to change the brand that's on the animal. So they have a small piece of metal that will change the brand so it's not recognizable for the original owner. Now, I mean, this is Louis Lamoore stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it's old Louis L'Amour stuff. But that's exactly what's happened here: is if you've been vaccinated, you're like a stolen cow, and you are now owned by whoever stole you and claims that uh, modified, you know, pattern.
1: You belong to the World Health Organization at that point.
0: That's right now, and it is by U.S. law. That um, if you follow the law on it, once you have been modified genetically, and I'm talking about it it happens to every cell in the body. You know, they say it's only in the arm. Bullshit. It goes everywhere, and it's self-replicating, and it'll keep going on and going on. Once that happens, your genetics are no longer homo sapien, as in this is what God gave you. You are now modified, and by law, you are the property who uh, who of the people who captured and modified your DNA. You are no longer an independent human being with a soul and a spirit and the right to freedom and liberty. That's right. You are a chattel.
1: You're owned. And they say slavery is long gone, Marshall. I, I'd laugh at those people.
0: Oh, God. Slavery. This is... This is absolute slavery. But we're still this enslaved. Is part of a, and now, you know, people really feel kind of depressed about it. This is the thing I've, I saw. People really were, were were waking up to this because we know the biters are coming, the black-eyed babies, and that's gonna be, that is going to be Night of the Walking Dead shit. I am telling you. It's for real. All right. I address all of this. I I saw these issues. I know what's going to terrify people in the years coming ahead. And this was in my mind when I wrote Revelation and Planet X. And this was a book I use uh, psychic. I'm a psychic and I have various modalities I use depending on what I'm doing. This book was shoulder to shoulder with the other side. I was literally... You know, it wasn't where, okay, guys, throw me a bone, I'll follow it, (laughs) you know, and they throw me a bone. Uh, This was, I had to go in and then, oh my gosh, go back time and time again to clarify, 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 clarify. And uh, the thing about it is when you're talking to the other side, whether you're talking to god or right. those of you who speak you know speak with jesus that they get and annoyed you do, with you marshall good for you <laughs> and all i can say is do it and do it as often as you can um uh, marshall I were, can't were, do it.
1: were they annoyed what? with you by going in so many times and asking uh certain questions
0: well the reason why is and this is a real problem and i think you can identify mm-hmm. with the other side people you know as i explain in the book i'm I just work for them. I'm a technical writer. I'm not a prophet. All right, wouldn't want to be a prophet. The hours are terrible. Forget the pay. And what do you get for a benefit package? A lifetime supply of dental floss. Yeah, and a T-shirt. No, thank you. I'm not interested. I'm gonna. I'm beavering away in the cubicles with all the other technical writers. Right. There are several of them. Many of them. And I just enjoy meeting them when I get a chance to people that. You know, like myself, you, it's not the financial motive, it is to get that knowledge out there so other people can get onto it and use it. But what I do is I explain to you what the real plan is, how it's going to go. And the good news about the plan is humanity is going to win, no matter what happens. If the White Hats and the Anons and Q, if... The cabal smashes and bashes and defeats them, doesn't matter. Humanity's going to win. If the white hats prevail, it's going to make it easier for the rest of us to survive. I'm talking about in the billions of people. If we're able to see an end of this horrific insanity of destruction and deprivation and perversion of all sorts, and murder. I mean, all of these people, they're just sick, 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 sick. If they are defeated by the White Hats, we are talking about saving billions of lives. But in the final analysis, it's not going to be 8 billion that survive. If we—if the Black cats prevail, you're talking actually probably about a quarter of a billion will survive, and uh, no more than half. Because that's all they need in terms of slaves to serve them. Right. For them, it's a culling of the herd.
1: Some of the wrong people will survive this, I I imagine. Pardon? I said some of the wrong people will survive this. Oh, yeah.
0: Some will, you know. I mean, it's like these are sick puppies. Yeah. But the whole thing, what I'm explaining to people is the sick puppies go away. And I explain how. and. And I mean, it was like pulling teeth to get the other side to tell me.
1: Right. And by the way, Marshall, and let, let be- me just quickly say this for the newer listeners out there, those that are kind of lost right now about the Hopi prophecy. Let me just say that not only do these uh, prophecies sort of like foretell the end times, but also how to sort of pre- prevent the end times. But they also tell of a new beginning and who will be allowed to move into this uh, fifth world, they say. It is
0: coming. It is coming what's happening what heaven is doing right now is we are on the verge of ascension and we will after the pole shift is finished the thing about the pole shift and in the book i say that's going to happen in 2030 the pole shift is an it's it's going to be an unbelievable thing you know you and i talked about yes we did you know, that place in, in uh, Santa Cruz, right? That's
1: right. The, the very funky place, yes.
0: That's right. And you've been there. And it was like, I'm sitting there going, now I know why you and I do a lot of fun radio. That's right. right. And Marshall, uh, by the way,
1: and just on cue, you know, the sun's magnetic poles will be flipping in 2024. So everything is sort of aligning with what we've been talking about here.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: So this is real. This is real, ladies and gentlemen. Yep.
0: This is This is real. And, um, you know, in the Colburn Bible, it says that the return will not be known only by the wise. In other words, those who have the intelligence to look up and to find the knowledge and to sort things out. But most Amer- you know, most people, they don't look up. They look down. Yeah. All right. Most of the time, you know, we spend how much time looking at our handheld devices? Too long. Too long. long. It's all over the time. And so they're not looking up to see what happens, and they don't want the wisdom. So the truth is, as I explained, there are a lot of people who are incarnated now, and they're called Starseed, and they have come from other worlds to help us with this ascension process. And those people who are not going to look up, not do these things, Don't be hard on them and call them, you know, dumb animals and things like that, although that's what they behave like. Um, They could be starseed. They're here to help us become an ascended species. So the more important thing for you to do is not to go out there and try and save humanity. The more important thing to do is to save your eternal soul. Right. And so if you do... After we become an ascended species, some amazing things are going to be on offer to you. But on the other hand, if you don't make the cut, you don't know what—trust me, you're not going to want to know what comes afterwards. And this is the reason why it was so hard. And I explain in the book, all right, as a psychic. And the only reason why, by by the way, that I can't communicate—I can communicate with anybody else. Talk to God all the time. Talk to ascended masters. Talk to guides. I don't do it to, you know, where did Uncle Louis bury the money? It's like, <laughs> you want that? Go find a gypsy.
1: Right. All right.
0: I am out here. I'm a technical writer for God, and I need it. And I need this information. And what happened when I was a young boy, my mother was Jewish, father, Catholic. And after my mother uh, divorced my father for, uh, you know, dipping his ink, <laughs> getting into other ink wells. Oh, so ah, so. yes. Dipping in the company ink. Yeah. And uh, my grandmother, who was, uh, oh my God, she was a born again fascist from Italy. And she just started <laughs> born with again the fascist rants on me for years. Boy, and it, it so scarred me that I, the thing for those of you who can talk to Yeshua, I call him Yeshua. And it's important because remember the commandments honor thy father and thy mother. On the other side, you are not called by what we would name you. You are called by the name given to you by your birth mother. And so on the other side, Jesus in heaven is called Yeshua always. He's never called Jesus. However, that's not a problem because it's all about intention. And if your intention is to talk to Yeshua, you talk to him. The way I explain it in the book is it's the difference between a nine-digit zip code and a five-digit zip code. Jesus is a five-digit zip code. Yeshua is a nine-digit zip code. But here's the great news. It doesn't matter if you do five or nine. It still gets there, and that's what matters. So uh, just it's it's for those of you, so, want to understand what it's like working with the guides? Yeah, is that you have to be very precise in how you name things. Pre- there is Creator is never called God in heaven. Creator is called the Creator. There's only one. There's all kinds of gods, little g gods. You know, when we say God, the Creator of all there is, you capitalize the G. That's the Alpha. So, I sometimes I'll just say instead of calling the creator, I'll just say big G, big G, yeah. big G. I like that. And um, that's that's the thing. So it's it's creator and Yeshua on the other side. This is just a rule of heaven. And for me, what I find interesting is that. They're very, very miserly in how they feed information to you.
1: Are they angry, by the way, No, with, with us? No, they're not. All
0: of this God is pissed off at you stuff?
1: That's nonsense.
0: That's bullshit. God is always love, you know? That's what That's I figured. It. Yeah. God's always love. If you want to know what God's personality is, I can give it to you in two simple words. Pleasant persistence. That's it. And the other thing is, if you think you can argue with God and win, guess what? You know, try. You ain't going to win. I mean, it's it's easier to have an argument with your ex-wife and win it oh, than wow. it is to win an argument <laughs> with God. <laughs> so, yes, and for those, you know, uh, you uh, just for don't go there. And if you're going right. to be an idiot, God's going to okay. Go be an idiot. Um, you got to learn. The whole point of it is that we're here to learn.
1: Right. We're here to learn. And for the younger generation out there hearing this, eventually you will come to find out what happens when your girlfriend and mother start uh, talking to each other. Mm. Mm. Yeah, exactly, Marshall. You know, you know where I'm going.
0: Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. You okay. young
1: guys will find out.
0: Now, for guys, it's like, you know, hey, guys, i got news for you. If you think you're going to figure women out, Tough darts, farmer.
1: That's right.
0: I have, through years of research and study and contemplation, I determined the exact day that men will understand women perfectly. I know the exact day. No kidding. You're no kidding. It's the day before the universe ends. Oh. <laughs> we're guys, we're slow, but right. ladies you're not that much faster. That's true. So the whole thing of it is, is, and this is one of the things I talk about in Revelation and Planet X. Right. All of this awful division between men and women right now is just, just, it's heartbreaking. But also on the other hand, I mean, I track it on TikTok and other social media, and I see gals that are, you know, they're realizing that feminism wasn't a godsend for them, all right? Because what really happened over 50 years is that it's about chunking. The first thing the cabal wanted to do was change things. It used to be in America, you'd have multiple generations under one roof. So you'd have grandpa, the kids, the grandkids, maybe even great-grandkids, all right? And everyone was under one roof. Well. The first thing the cabal did was they separated the children and the seniors from the family. And what they do is break them away from the family, fill them full of drugs, and put them in warehouses. Then once they did that, they focused on the family members of prime age, productive age, and they used feminism to drive a wedge between men and women
1: yeah there's a war against women right now my friend oh it's a terrible war yeah with the trans movement and all this in sports i mean it's sexist against women i mean women should be competing against other women not men not biological men in my opinion
0: i think it's insane that we even got to say that (laughs) all of this is is just awful for the women it's awful for the men there are a lot of men that just are good men all right, the kind of men you you know you'd want your sister to marry—they're not interested. They're not looking because it is such a disaster out there, and there's so much antagonism and it's so unnecessary. Oh, Marcia, you
1: can't even approach a woman without a uh, without them wanting uh, to hit you, basically, or feeling offended.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know it's I'm yeah you know, I'm a yuppie or not a yuppie, I'm a boomer, and. So, in my age, what I see are uh, I see an awful lot of angry, lonely cat ladies. And I see a lot of guys that just simply are not interested. They will not get involved with any women because they just don't want to wind up whatever they have left, losing it in a divorce. And they have nothing left to give to the kids that they do have. So, it's divided everybody. And what we have to understand is, we're not going to fix this as long as we keep looking at each other and saying, what can we do to bring out the worst in you? We have to go back to the country the way it was. We have to bring out the best in each other. And I think men and women will do this. They will heal. It is going to be driven by the need for humanity to survive. You know, one of the things I point out in the book is I say, scientists tell us that at one point, humanity— was reduced to 40 breeding couples. That was it. 40 breeding couples. Really? That's right. Mm. During Ice Age. And I asked the question, what uh, of those 40 breeding couples, if they were feckless snowflakes and lesbian feminists, where would we be today? Mm. We would be sleeping with the dinosaurs. Yeah. Right. I grew up at a time... That's alien to people. It literally is alien because let me explain it to you this way. You know, I told you uh, my mom divorced. I was nine years old when that divorce happened. Yeah. I was going to a school there in Phoenix, Arizona, in a working class neighborhood, had 300 students plus staff. Out of the 300 students, only five children were from. Single family households, which were all mothers. Of the five out of the 300, my brother and I were two of that five. And when I used to walk home with my friends from school, the mothers were stay at home moms. I will tell you, my generation at that point, we were very healthy. We were fit. Our food was all organic. And Mom at home was not sitting there with freeze-dried and all this instant stuff. Everything was made from scratch when yeah. I was a kid at that time. Non-processed food, and in other words. It was all healthy, good food. Yeah. But the thing that for me was beautiful that I, and was a little envious, to be honest, was that what the mothers would do is they would always bake something. There'd be a bake treat, a pie, cake. Donut. I don't know whatever the kid liked. And as you were, and she'd leave the window open, so that as you were coming close with you're like a distance two to three houses away, you could start to smell that fresh baked treat. Okay. This was a
1: quite an impactful memory for you, Marshall. These were. Yeah, I could tell. They
0: were and this was, and so these kids would go home. They yeah. have their, their chocolate cake, whatever mom made for them. And then they would talk about what was happening at school and things going on. It was a way for the mom to find out, you know, the, the, the treat was really, you know, to get them. It was like the kid goes, Oh boy, you know, I'm going to have that chocolate cake and I love mom's chocolate cake. And especially when it's hot out of the oven and, uh, You know, he would make sure he didn't get distracted, so to speak, and go straight home. And it was a beautiful thing to see. And after they started driving a wedge between men and women, kids didn't go home to a mom who had prepared something and wanted to talk to them about their day. They were latchkey kids, just like today. You open the door. There's nobody there. Maybe you have a dog. The dog greets you. And then, if you want something, you got to throw it in the microwave oven, and and it doesn't taste like somebody made it with love. And this is the way the world was changed. So we went from a world—the America I grew up in—was about helping you to become the best person you could be. And now it's all about bringing out the worst in everybody.
1: Yeah. Now it's all about Uh, what your gender is. Yeah. And basing it off of, uh, and basing that as your whole personality in life
0: exactly that's insane uh, by the way yeah
1: (laughs) that should not be your personality
0: uh i don't know it's like i don't i don't know would you call it a personality well the thing is
1: well the thing is uh, you know all these people and i've known many people that you know they lived in a small town they go off to college let's say san francisco for a great example because i knew a very religious girl in her family and once she moved out there they turned her Marshall. Now she's like a butch dyke sort of looking girl when she was really thin at one time, got the multicolored hair, has a girlfriend. And she was telling me that I'm the only cis male that she talks to. And cis is basically like a like a male that's born a biological male and not someone who transitioned. And I just thought, my goodness, what happened to you?
0: It's pretty sad. Isn't it <laughs> It is.
1: It's crazy to see, though that a lot of people, they they turn.
0: I know. You know, when you look at who's vaccinated. Yes, sir. All right. There's our, uh, there are some statistical constants. The older you are, the more likely you're vaccinated. But also, the more time you have spent in the American educational system. Forget graduations, degrees, certifications, all of that. It's about time in the education system. And the longer you are in the American education system, the more likely you're jabbed, the more likely you're mentally, def- you know, you've been perverted and fractured, just like this gal that you've been talking about. And That's it's, right. And for these people, I don't, I don't want to be angry at them, because to me, they're victims. They, they don't are. see themselves as victims. Because they don't understand what has been done. They think it's it's perfectly normal. They're, the whole script of life, like their DNA, has uh, been rewritten.
1: Been manipulated. And yeah. I, I hate to make this comparison because it's quite extreme, but it's almost like if you have been vaccinated, it's almost the equivalent of what the Nazis did to the Jews when they tattooed them. Basically, yeah. you have that tattoo inside of you.
0: You're right. You're on it. You're on it. And... The thing here that saddens me with what is coming is that surviving the tribulation that's coming. And the tribulation will, in 2030, when the pole shift happens, is going to be what we here on Earth call the great Widowing. It's not called that in heaven. In heaven, it is called the purge. And... uh, a winnowing is kind of you know you're throwing the throwing the grain up into the air and to see let the you know the chaff blow away and the kernels will fall and there's somewhat of a uh, a benign process now with what's happening what's going to come as I explained it in the book it's a purge and you're going to make the cut or you don't make the cut and if you don't make the cut trust me you don't want to think about it. Um, because it's worse than hell. Hell was a garbage pit in Jerusalem called the Helios. Right, right. All right, and they would literally take criminals who conducted certain crimes, and it was a burning garbage pit. And they would just take these guys and throw them into the burning garbage pit. So that was the whole notion of burning in hell, the Helios. The purge makes the Helios look like you know, a 10 days, and 11 nights, <laughs> or you know, 11 nights, 10 days, or whatever, in Hawaii or some other nice destination. And all of that is explained. I think your audience, by and large, like my audience, are in awareness, no, they coming know. along, yeah. and this is not going to hit them. Uh, they'll be at risk at it, but they have a much better chance of moving past and making the cut. The ones that are going to really have a problem with it are going to be the ones who are, let me put it to you this way. If you want to walk out of this tribulation alive, there's only one real way to do it. You got to walk through it with God, period. And when I first started researching Planet X, I would have never said something like that. I was a total science guy. And now I've had to find a balance between spirituality And science. And it's like looking through binoculars. When you use spirit and science together constructively, you have a three dimensional view of what's ahead and you can understand the world before you much better. But the thing is that what everyone needs to understand is going through the tribulation is like going to live on a desert island in the middle of the ocean. What you take there is what you're going to have there period now if you have a dysfunctional personality because you have been degraded by our educational system which is absolutely disgusting you know the department of education i hope they level that building to the ground all right uh it's of all the institutions it is the it's at the top of the evil list for me because they're really making people incapable of what's going to de- to to deal with what's coming they're not going to have the knowledge that they need but they're not going to have the winning attitude that they're going to need and for the normies their bubbles are going to burst now when they these programming bubbles these cia and all these uh, intelligence agencies that have done this horrible stuff to us When that bursts, what is that person left with? Not much. If you listen to them and they say, I used to be a normie or I used to be woke or I used to be this, and now I'm going, uh uh-oh, that's not really good anymore. I need to be open-minded. And what they find out when they're open-minded is they don't know Jack. They don't know Jack. And so if you don't know how, to work constructively with others. If you don't know how to love God and to walk through this with your Creator, if you don't know how to do these things, you have not had the benefit of a lifetime of living in a country that was actually preparing you for that. The America I grew up in, was we were prepared. All of this woke feminists, all this these modern, and I just call it the CPM. Uh, That's it. There's only one acronym I use for the whole government. Communist Pedophile Mafia,
1: CPM. I like that one.
0: And so the CPM has destroyed all of that. And so what are you going to take to your desert island of survival? Fragments of your dysfunctional life. And you're not going to have the tools. The mental tools, the education tools, the knowledge that you're going to need to survive. These people are going to be blindsided again and again. They're not going to be able to deal with it. They're not going to know who to trust. Uh, They're they're going to really be behind the eight ball. And so, for those of you who are in awareness, the. uh, I got a neighbor who's a jerk.
1: No, I, I get no idea.
0: So, what they're doing is. All of, these, all of these people are having this terrible time that they don't have any knowledge of what's going to come their way. And here's where you have to help the normies, because unfortunately, a lot of them are going to die. And when they die, it is going to be, for most of them, they're going to die badly. Um, and I want to give you just a few things you can do To help them. Right. One thing that has come from the guides again and again and again and again, and they have talked about basically what's going to happen during this coming period of time, and the way to understand it best is to read the plagues of Exodus, and particularly chicken, the boils. All right? and. What the boils are from is you're going to have a lot of volcanic ash from eruptions. You're going to have iron oxide descending from the Nemesis cloud. There's going to be all kinds of stuff happening. All right. And people, this is going to get into the skin and it is going to create these terrible ash boils. And these ash boils are going to be incredibly painful and debilitating. There's going to be many different ways people are going to die during this, all right? There's going to be many different ways people are going to die. This is going to be the worst, and it doesn't have to be. Here's a simple way you can help them, and you can help yourself, is that you have to essentially exfoliate all of this ash, which is like Little crystals of glass that get down into the pores that cause these terrible boils and abscesses that are incredibly painful, debilitating, hard to treat. Um, what you'll see during the tribulation is the people who are going to have these boils. They're going to start wearing bed sheets. They're going to look like moving Casper the Ghosts. All right now. There is a very simple way to deal with this, is that you have to get the ash off your body every day, when you, especially when you go out. Now, you can wear, a smart thing to do is uh, you have like two shirts, uh, one oversized so it can go over the other, a uh, long sleeve, and you're also doing all of this other stuff, all right, uh, to to cover up, to cover your hands, to keep keep your skin from being exposed. But what you want to do is you want to wash with water and get this out of your skin. Wash it very carefully. If you are in a situation where fresh water, potable water, is very scarce, then you have a situation where if you dig down into the ground – or fresh, clean dirt, or clay. Use that so you bathe in clay. Anything that'll get that stuff out. If you'll do this one thing and teach it to the normies, you're going to do them a real blessing, because that will be the worst way people will die during the tribulation, is from these ash boils. So just remember, cover yourself when you're out, and when you return from whatever you're doing, wash yourself completely. And if you don't have fresh water or enough fresh water to do that, dig down for fresh soil or for clay and use it and do that. And it will make a huge difference for people. There's other things that you can also learn to do and teach them. You know, you can go online and there are plenty of information about how to get, uh, how to make a water filter with river rock, sand and uh, ash. All right. And so go study all of this, learn how to filter the water. And even if all you can do is just filter the water to get the ash out of it, you'll be fine and that's an important thing and this is important because during the tribulation we're going to have a defoliated world there's going to be a tremendous amount of defoliation and you are going to have a whole lot of people who are uh, you know going to be struggling and it's going to be hard to find water If you do find water, it's going to be dirty. It's going to be muddied. It's going to be full of iron oxide dust. And um, you don't want to take that into your body. You know, again, read the plagues of Exodus. The people could not drink the water. All right. Same thing. So what you do is read the plagues of Exodus and then find ways to deal with it. That you can help people with and you can teach them how to do it. And this will, this way, it's the difference for the normies who are going to be terribly blindsided by this, and they're not going to be prepared by this, is that they are going to be, they're going to have a chance to die well, as opposed to die badly. That they're going to be able to die of, you know, mostly starvation. That will be a big killer. Disease will be a big killer. But these boils and, you know, these other things uh, are a terrible, terrible way to go. So those are the simple things. If you'll just remember that, you'll do the normies a real service. But you, meanwhile, need to be, you know, trying to find a way to solve this. There is no way everybody walks out of this. Okay? There's no way and your odds really can be anywhere from slim to none if you know what you're doing you know it's another thing if you can expect what's coming if you can understand that heaven has a plan for all of this the purge and what that means and how that is executed you will have a huge advantage you'll know not only know how to deal with this but you are going to have amazing hope for the future and hope for the future is powerful. It's a powerful thing that's going to pull you across all of these terrible times. And do that, and that's going to be good for them. Now, let's talk about you, all right? Those of you listening to this and you're going, oh my God, I don't have the money for all this. I don't have this thing. I don't have that thing. First thing I want to tell you to do is if you're using negative contractions like can't, couldn't, wouldn't, shouldn't, isn't and so forth, then you're stupid and you deserve to die because negative contractions are the satanic code for death. So get contract negative contractions out of your lexicon and then people will organize. Now, what I have determined over the years is where's the best place to get with like-minded others. It's going to be in Small, non-denominational, apolitical, independent churches. I'm not talking about the big, big mainstream churches, where if you talk to a faith leader, they say, "Well, okay, I got to go see what the official line is," and they got to pick up the phone before they can have an intelligent thought. No, th- that's forget that. Forget that. They're going to lead people off a cliff because they're structurally rigid, and they can't adapt to things as they're going to go. On the other hand, a small independent church with faith leadership that is really motivated to serve its, you know, serve the flock, if they get a hold of this information, they're going to be the best ones to survive with, and here's why. Churches have three main advantages, independent churches. The first is that they're going to have a local chain of command that's respected. And that's really important is that you want to have that respected chain of a kin. Nobody has to pick up the phone to call the home office. The minute somebody's got to pick up the phone to get an answer, no, forget it. That's losers. They're losers. I don't care. You can thumb the beads until the cows come home. They're losers. you got to be with the ones that are willing to walk humbly with their God, not to walk humbly with someone else's dogma. Now, when you're working with them, these small churches are going to come together because this is what people do, and they're going to be talking about, my God, this is really coming. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You're going to have a faith leader who doesn't understand what's really happening, the science, and how to address that and speak about it with his flock. Uh, You're going to have the, the need for people to communicate with loved ones that are going to be, you know, across town or across the state or across the nation. You're going to have that basic need for communication. If you can't communicate, you can't cooperate. All right? Then you're going to need to say, okay, we have to have a plan to get everyone to safety. And the last thing you want is to have some idiot standing up saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know I need to be the boss. And trust me, there are going to be plenty of those. And then you have to be able to see what's coming ahead. Now, I have written four books. I was brought to this wisdom in 2015. And the first book I wrote was Radio Free Earth because if you cannot communicate you cannot cooperate what will happen during this tribulation is terrestrial internet is going to be destroyed period it's not coming back what we will have is what remains of SpaceX all right and the the Starlink system that they're putting up but even the Starlink system and these this is a very survivable system but it is going to have a lot of, uh, you know, of these satellites that are going to be destroyed because we're passing through this nemesis cloud with all kinds of nasty stuff in it. So what will happen is you're going to have what I would call batch upload, batch download. Uh, you could be sitting there and it could take two or three hours before you get one surviving satellite that picks you up. At that point, you don't have time to have a conversation with somebody. You just have enough time to upload your messages and download your messages. And then the satellite moves off target and you're in the dark again. But at least you have that ability to pick up that information. And that's what's really important. you got to be able to pick up that information. And the other thing is that... In the communication, if you have ham radios. And I'm not talking about the new digital stuff, which is for the tribulation, it'll be useless crap. We're talking about the old radios, the old analog radios that are still very popular with hams. And you have to be able to know which radios you want to use, what you can do with them, who can do something. When I wrote Radio Free Earth, you know, all of the ham radio operators, I have a general license were telling me, God, there's thousands of books on how to do this. I said, yeah, there's thousands of books for geeks, guys like you that got the bite and want to play with the technology. I'm talking to people who are barely above able to operate a baby monitor, and they're never going to want to be a ham radio operator, but they sure would like to know whether or not their family across the state is still alive or dead or what's coming downstream from a neighbor next door. All right? They're going to need that same information that we already have. And so the whole point of Radio Free Earth is it's to teach people very quickly all of this information in a way that will help them survive. And this book is heavily opposed on Amazon. <clears throat> I used to have really elegant reviews, nice reviews that were written on that book when it came out. And, you know, what they're doing now is they're starting to suppress my messages. Like on YouTube, yeah. I have videos that are 10 years old that are now being removed because they violate community rules. 10-year-old videos. Wow. Okay. They're removing them. Um, what, they, what Amazon did to me on my book, Radio Free Earth, is they removed all of the beautiful reviews that were written. And now it's got a three point five score because they just have eight ratings. That's it. No reviews, just ratings. And they don't even say if the ratings are from people who bought the book. If you go you literally you go look at my book, Radio Free Earth on Amazon, you go down to that where that information it just says eight rankings. That's it. And they took a book that was four, four and a half down to three and a half
1: yeah, with I, I, absolutely
0: no comments on it to suppress it and the reason why eight ratings it, yeah my book is so effective at teaching people how to use radios to circumvent the suppression all right that's what i taught in that book is how do you get around them silencing you because well, they're doing it here. it's easy for them to do it on on online platforms but with this old analog technology no and so the radio free earth book is important for communication and you have to have backup and i'm really getting hammered on that and as they're starting to strip away my other stuff they're disappearing me
1: yeah i'm on i'm on amazon right now and i am looking at the radio free earth your, your book here and i am Looking through the ratings here, and it, and it seems like there's no actual, no actual review. It, it just seems like maybe an employee might have clicked one star, four star, five star. That's right. That's
0: right. That's ridiculous, by the way. It's 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 vicious what they're doing to me, but it's just the way it is. Now, <clears throat> if you belong to a small church, and what I'm saying in the book is, I wrote these four books. Now, when you're looking at Revelation and Planet X, that's for everybody. That's gonna tell you what's coming, why, if you are walking humbly with your God, you're gonna do really fine. There's gonna this is gonna end well for you because it's gonna end with a new beginning. But the people that have been sucked into all of this satanic horseshit doesn't end well for them. All right. But for communities you have a church community, and it's a survival community. Now, the key to it is that you find a quiet place in the world where history can mostly pass you by and you go to ground. And that's the basic strategy. But communications with people near and far is essential. So that book is you find somebody in that church who's into ham radio, and they're the ones that get it because that is the book that they're going to teach from, and the reason why is in a survival community you're going to have you're going to have scroungers, you're going to have your pickers, and when they're out there and they find you know a ham shack in some guy's house because he's going to have a spaghetti of antenna on top of his roof, then you're going to go in, well, what do you take? You can't take all of it. It's going to be a lot. You've got to know what pieces you want to take. And that's what the book is going to teach people to do. Then it's going to teach you how to use these radios in the survival situations, which is what ham radio was always about. Ham radio is, you know, it's, you belong to association in the amateur, the AARL. And it's a relay league. And that's what you do is you relay messages. So let's say you have... Uh, your mother lives in California and you're in Ohio when all of this hits the fan. Well, there could be a network of hams that'll relay your message to someone close to where your mom lives. And maybe your mom can find that posted message on a bulletin board and write a message back to you to say, we're alive and everyone's good. Imagine how much peace of mind that will bring to you to know your loved ones are still alive that they can send a relay message. So that's what Radio Free Earth is about. It's about keeping the connection going. This is essential. Because your smartphones, basically the only real use for a smartphone after the tribulation is for you to do your final say to the future. All right, and you're going to sit there in the phone and you're going to do the all-time selfie of this is how I died. And when you're buried... (laughs) You're going to have the phone against your chest with your hands over it, and that's where a thousand years from now, somebody's going to dig you up and find the phone, and hopefully they can recover your message. Right. That's what your smartphone's going to be good for. Now, the next thing is you're going to have your um, your faith leaders. And when I wrote Planet X Tribulation, it, Planet X Tribulation, I wrote it specifically for faith leaders. And it's written almost in a manner like, uh, you know, they have books of sermons that they use, that they can read in a book. Here's a sermon, so-and-so did it, and here's what he said. And then they can use that and modify it however they want, but it gives them a leg up. Well, my book, Planet X Tribulation, Surviving the Planet X Tribulation, is exactly that. It's for faith leaders, but it's also for every other kind of leader. it I explain the whole Planet X thing to people, and I do it in a way that shows them how to explain to their flocks. Because the last thing you want is for the people in your flock to go into panic. Because once you go into fear, game over. Your brain stops functioning, and you're making bad decisions. Now, the other thing that when you're doing this is that you're as you are going through and you need to have you need to have the solutions in mind and that's you know my that book is win-win survival handbook this is the one that if there's a builder in your church Somebody that knows how to go acquire a piece of property, set up infrastructure, build it out, and it's a system that will survive. The win-win, and it's a win-win, it's win-win. It's it's like people overseas, they go, what's a win-win? I said, I thought it was obvious. Everybody wins. A win-win is everybody wins. And the whole point of a win-win is that the community has to be designed around its most valuable precious members which will be young mothers and children they are going to be the crown jewels of a community because we are talking about how do we survive this not just to not just to come out of it in some mad max world but we survive we thrive and we prosper because i will tell you that after this flyby of Nemesis, the next one will not be survivable. And how do I know that? The Catholic Church politically wormed their way into Mount Graham in southeast corner of Arizona. And Mount Graham is in one of the most perfect viewing regions on the earth. It has the the ability to make the single longest observation of the Nemesis system as it flies through and down and back into the southern skies because they're going to want to know how much time we have. Well, I would just say cut the current orbit duration of 3,600 lunar years in half. In other words, we have a 1,000 years ahead of relative calm. And what we're going to have to do in that thousand years is we got to get our, we got to get the hell out of here because Earth is going to be roasted into another Venus the next time it flies by. This is the last survivable one. And so we have got to go to the stars. And that's the reason why I say the book is for survival and future space exploration. Uh All right. And it's not only if. what what we did is with win-win and you have to set a threshold now there's all kinds of books on survival and what i found is knowing the science of what's coming all of them are based on the wrong expectations and fall short in very serious ways most common is they're they're trying to have something you know above ground cabins Mm. If you have below ground a bunker, it's just a temporary thing. No, that's not going to work. You're going to have to have entire communities, families that are living underground and farming underground. And this way, they're not going to be exposed to the radiation. And we are going to have periods of radiation for the people on the surface that are going to be awful. Here's another thing for your normies is that tell them to you know, if they have a little portable FM radio to carry it, and leave it on all the time, even if it's static. The minute that FM radio dies, boom, and you can't do it again, that means you're in a solar storm of radiation. And at that point, you've got about three minutes to get density over your head, because after that, you are going to be the proverbial poodle in the microwave and that's a very bad way to die oh yeah so you have your little fm radio going and all of a sudden it dies and that's it you just scream radiation and the first thing you do is look for density overhead density because it'll come straight down so let's say you're in a mall scavenging and you hear that find density you know like get under the escalators, something like that. Anywhere where you can get concrete, dirt, steel, any kind of density over you. You know, get into, you're going down the road, you see a culvert, crawl into the culvert, all right? But that's the main thing, is that you want to be able to get your, you know, you get to safety so you don't have the radiation. Well, if you're living in a win-win you don't have that problem. In a win-win, you don't die of dehydration. You have all the fresh, wonderful water you need. You don't die from polluted air. You don't die from the radiation. You don't die from hunger. People on the surface are going to be dying. They're going to be dying badly. Not you. So when you read my book, Win-Win Survival Handbook, I'm telling you how to build your communities. Do you have to invent anything new? No, you don't have time to invent anything. You want proven technology and methodologies, everything that's available and best of class. And that's what I talk about in the book. And it's simple things. I mean, I see, you know, say how to start a fire, and they're they're going, okay, go find a 9-volt battery and go find some steel wheel and find this and find that. That's crazy, okay? You don't have time for all these complex technology ideas. And so win-win is you are not going out and finding exotic technologies minerals and whatever you're using basic elements concrete sand dirt asphalt basic things simple forms wood whatever is available these are things that are going to be you know within your domain and all of the supplies you need are easily going to be available to you within a regional basis so You can build these survivable underground communities that I call win wins. And the cost of it on a square foot basis would be comparable to that of building a custom home. And if you do it where you put your own labor into it, and you don't have to be a carpenter to make a concrete dome, any backyard yachts can make a concrete dome. So you don't have to have all of these. You know, these skills that take years to master. Everything's there. It's a complete plan. And it tells you this is what you get, this is what you look for, here's what you do it, here's how you do it. And so you have that. So what you do is when you're standing up at the church, and in the book I say, you know, they're they're gonna be saying, Does anybody got a plan? Because everyone's gonna be blindsided, and you say, I have a plan, and there you are. And you're holding these books in your hand, these four books, and you say, I have a book for communications, a book for building communities, a book for explaining and understanding, and a book for communication so we're not isolated. I have read all of these books. I have mastered the content and I am ready to answer any questions you may have. Does anyone have a question? All right. That's it. That's my whole thing for 10 years of writing all of these books. I knew I this was these books were in my mind they were given to me by creator to write because it covers everything you need. And that's it. You know it, you've read it, you've thought about it, you've contemplated it, and you are ready to give this knowledge to other people and I'm talking about 1400 pages of knowledge. That's all about this time, not some kind of theoretical conversation about a fairy princess, you know, who did this and that or an artifact or whatever. You don't have time for that, but you have time for how do we solve the problems of staying alive? And that's what my books are all about. It's about how do you stay alive? Now that I have finished doing that, you know, what am I doing? Well. For me, it's really my next move is I will continue being in service to folks like your audience. Yeah. But what I'm really looking for now is to start a project I call Mars Beta. And the goal is to create a science center for technologies and methodologies for both survival here on Earth and on Mars. My book is literally the only difference between surviving with my techniques here on Earth and on Mars is about a 15% difference in technology. There's only three essential things that are required for the win win methodology you have to have water, soil, and basalt rock. Earth and Mars have that, plenty of it. All right. If you have those three things, you can build a win win anywhere and survive comfortably. Water, soil, basalt rock. So this is, and and you're teaching people to survive. I mean, imagine you're going through the pole shift and and, and, and it's going to be terrifying for people. What's going to work? Are you going to say to your children, don't worry, kids, we designed this to survive, but we've never survived this before, so we're all kind of pooping our pants with you? Is that going to inspire the kids? Not at all. Or are you going to say to the children, hey, kids, we are space pioneers. And this is how we're testing our technology so that you or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren can go to the stars.
1: Right. And this this is a reality for those wondering out there. This is very, very real. Humanity will have to get off this island Earth eventually.
0: That's right. That's right. And so it goes that way. And what I want to do is I'm looking to actually work with different kind of people now. I have spent 20 years trying to work with just everyday people, trying to cope with this and wrap their heads around it. Some of it, a few do exceptionally well. Most, um, they don't. You know, I have an expression. There's a thousand reasons to fail and one reason to succeed. Now, imagine... You have before you to your right, there's a marble column, and on the top of that column is a shiny bauble that says, This is the one way to succeed. Then you have a dumpster, and the dumpster has a thousand dull baubles in it with excuses for failure. Now, what I will tell you is when people are sitting there and they're looking at one and they're looking at the other, most everyone will get frustrated, give up, decide not to do anything more, and then they are going to go dumpster diving for one of those thousand excuses. And they're going to want just the right excuse so they can hold it up and say, aha, see, it's not me. I'm not responsible for the failure. And that's what they really want to do. They don't want to be responsible for failure. So they want to be able to blame it on someone else. This is the normie way to do things. And what's what, it's, what are you going to do now that you found your one in a thousand excuse for failure? You're going to fail. You're going to die. So who are the people that are looking at that one reason to succeed? Well, I know those people because I met them and I worked with them for a series of years. This was in the lead up to December 21, 2012, the Mayan prophecy. And in about 2008... What happened was after a interview on Coast, I was contacted by a wealthy, successful entrepreneur who was looking at everything and deciding it's time to build a bunker. Now, the difference between dumpster divers for failure and a successful entrepreneur or intrapreneur who is looking at that one reason for success, the guys who are successful understand risk is a threshold issue. The dumpster divers are all looking for guarantees. Absolute guarantee. They want they want to survive like Amazon Prime. If you don't like it, you don't even have to pay to ship it back. And that's what they're looking for. All right. So let them go look. Let them go fail. Can't stop them, can't help them, can't do anything. And if you get in the way, they're just going to trample you. So you don't do it. So who are the ones that are looking for that one reason to succeed? It was these successful entrepreneur. And an entrepreneur is someone that has a vision and they turn that vision into a going concern with all of the risks and the hardships that it takes. You don't really know what it means to start a going concern until you've had to sweat a few payrolls. All right. And it toughens you up. It gets you focused And it keeps you focused on that one reason to succeed. Now, that works for you. And to get there, you can hire all the dumpster divers you want. They're more happy being dumpster divers and being told what to do. The one guy or the one gal that is going, this is the dream, this is the vision, and I'm going. And they're not going to stop for anybody or anything. They're the ones that are going to do this. So I had these successful entrepreneurs coming to me. And they were retaining me for services, consulting services. And it was always when they were going into escrow Mm. to close on a property for their bunker. And let me put it to you this way. This was 2000, you know, I mean, this was like 15 years ago. And four boy entry level for these people was a $1 million project. And I don't believe any of them that I worked with was less than one and a half million. Most of them were about two million because of the property size. And it was a consistent thing. Every time I did the analysis with them, uh, they would have their own airstrip. They wouldn't use a municipal airstrip or something. They wanted their own property with their own airstrip. And it was always long enough to serve a turboprop, like a single engine caravan Or Twin Beach. And this way, wherever they were, they could get in their turboprops. And depending on the turboprops, you have like up to 800 mile range. And they would just fly to where it is, get the family and land, go in the bunker, and there you go. What they used me for due diligence in the escrow was to give them a regional assessment of the survivability of the region. And I would have a lot of criteria that I would offer them. And I loved working with these people. Oh, my God, I love so much working with these people for three reasons. One, they did their homework. They read. They think. They contemplate. How do I know they did their homework? Because of the second reason. They always ask intelligent questions. And the third reason was they respect my work. They valued it. And so when we did a full analysis at the end of it, I would give them all of my evaluation in many different factors, but all they ever really wanted to hear at the end of it was, you got a winner, Bunky. Go close escrow. Every one of them closed escrow. They were, And I spent five years crisscrossing the country, north, south, east, west, every direction. I was boots on the ground. Oh, wow. And I will tell you, I never found better than a nine. I had a scale of zero to ten. They were typically eight five to nine five. And these guys didn't, you know, they didn't have my background. They didn't have my research on all this. And so I was really amazed with these people. They don't have the failings of the lunchbox Joes, the dumpster divers. The ones that are always like, oh, I'm frustrated. Give me an excuse that I don't I can that I can say it's not my fault. All right. They didn't do that. They were really awesome people. And I want to work with them again. And so my effort right now is to go out and find them. But for a different reason, we need to start working on the technologies of the win-win for farming and interior design and all of that. These have to be beautiful, comfortable, spacious. People have to have joy of life and quality of living this is real important and so i'm trying to what i want to do is start looking with these interested entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who want to help develop a science center and a retreat with me where we can start working on all of the the little details that are going to make life great because i'll tell you something if this community if it doesn't make you know if it doesn't make a beautiful place to live for young families where you know you have young moms and toddlers and they're safe and they're loved and they're protected and they have hope for the future. This has to be. And so I wanna find these entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs to work on the technologies and so that they then can go back to their companies or their partners and they can say, look, we're working on this because there's a technology angle, and there's also great PR. We have a lot of benefit of this. We establish ourselves in the right way, in the right place. And, you know, I would love to find someone who's an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur who has the dream of being the first man to build a one-kilometer-long colony ship to the stars.
1: Ah. That's
0: my dream.
1: My, oh, my That's
0: what I'm looking for.
1: I think it's obtainable.
0: I sure hope from your lips to God's ears.
1: We just got to find the uh, right set of ears,
0: Marshall. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't you don't you got to just get out there and put boots on the ground and you know, things will work with you. And it's a numbers game. And that's what I'm So this is what this is what my plan is right now is I've done. You know, in this 20 years I've been doing this, I have done a lot for all of these people who are coming into awareness because I just want them to know you're not alone. Right. All right. Well, that mission is, for me, the mission has come to a point where it's time to take it to a whole new level.
1: I agree. Now is the time.
0: Yeah so this is this is where I'm going and uh I don't know how it's going to do it's like everything else i mean there's no college i could go to on planet x survival <laughs> come on right yeah i'm having to, i'm having to do my own college course but this is where i'm going and um, which means i'm going to spend less time on public education and more time on outreach because with public education I put out the breadcrumbs to see who's going to follow them back to me. Whether What I want to do with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, I'm going to have to start going out and finding them. And, you know, before I got into the computer business, I was in outside sales. Yeah, and That's not a hard thing to do. If you've been in the outside sales, you know it's a numbers game. And the more numbers you got working, the more likely you're going to close a deal. So for me, this year... I'm just working the numbers.
1: You got some I'm scouting try to meet do. I
0: my entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs because yeah. the first thing I want to do with this is how do we make the right kind of furniture, and I'm talking about furniture that is made uh, in the Amish style without metal fasteners. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but also the other thing is when I was working on Win Win, and God directed me to people who gave me. Incredible knowledge, absolutely incredible knowledge. And the thing that in my win win, I explain commercial aquaponics. And frankly, I believe that in my book, Win Win, I explain how to do commercial aquaponics better than most all of the books that are out there. Um, because I had the advantage of engineers who are already doing it, and they shared with me the secrets that they learned the hard way. And so it's in the book. Now, with a commercial underground waponic system, which, mind you, you can grow fruits and vegetables that you could buy in nearly any open-air market anywhere in the world. So you want to have coffee, you want to have bananas, you want to have cranberries, you want to have wheatgrass, I don't care, fish. All of the species, it's like you see aquapotics. Everybody is with tilapia. Oh, God, I hate tilapia. All right? Give me, hey, catfish, rats, salmon. yeah, right? Give me the good stuff. Right. And you do it. You do all of this stuff, and there's completely different disciplined ways. Amateurs build these really Rube Goldberg kind of contraptions, and they tend to fail catastrophically. But if you design a really proper commercial system, you don't have to worry about that. You can survive anything. And you I'm talking about commercial systems that are producing tons of food every day, tons of food. Because in a win-win, you have to produce 10 times what you need. Initially, you're going to use your excess to go to market, and uh, you can go to market and sell stuff that people want, and it's going to be a tremendous uh, revenue source. Uh, The Win-Win is designed uh, on the aquaponic side for what I call uh, cannabis ready. And this is going to be not for the, you know, not the commercial cannabis that people are buying and smoking. I'm talking about the kind of cannabis that is so pure that it, it is for people who are cancer patients who have become chemically adverse.
1: Right. Medical marijuana, in other words.
0: Medical. It's beyond medical. It's not medical. It's pharmaceutical. Pharmaceutical. Wow. Okay. Medical is one thing. That's great for your, you know, aches and pains. Right. Pharmaceutical grade is, it is laboratory pure, laboratory pure cannabis. This is the most difficult, uh, you know, there's, You know, what it goes for per pound is absolutely stunning. And you start growing this and you're in a state where you can grow for people. People can have an allotment. You can rent out uh, your facility in a sense where you will grow for them, for their prescription, whatever. They would have a caregiver that says, okay, we want you to have this and that and the other thing. So it's grow to order, make to order immensely profitable you could do that but uh, there's all other kinds of do's i under you underground you could have a, a large you can create a large facility to have olives and grapes all right there's all anything virtually anything you want you could grow but the one thing after i finished writing win win survival handbook was the amount of time it takes to stand and stabilize a below-ground aquaponic system because they're being built and used around the country and in other countries, all right? And typically, it takes three to six months to stand and stabilize a commercial-grade aquaponic system. Well, people aren't going to have three to six months when they're doing this, And so what I want, the the main thrust of this research and science center that I'm looking to get entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs to help me with is to take three to six months and reduce it to three to six weeks. That within six weeks, you're growing enough food to keep everybody alive, period. And after that, it's just gravy. And so I want to be able to go to these high-tech firms and say, what about logo branding here that you're involved in this and you're helping this to happen? And people are going to, not only the people of today, but the people who survived this into the future, they're going to know you are already thinking ahead for them. This is positioning yourself in the market. This is goodwill. This is public relations and technology. Whatever technology you develop that comes out of this, you get. it's yours. You get to use it. Everybody, it's, you know, there's the applications and you can do, so there's profit opportunity. But the important thing is that I want to find entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who can find a balance between service to self and service to others. And the rest of it will work out. So that's where I'm going. That's what I want to do. And, uh, yeah, pretty much wraps it up for today. It does.
1: And Marshall, I I do want to uh, thank you for being a part of the program and spending some of your time with us. I know time is the most precious commodity that we have. And, you know, Marshall, you've been here for quite some time. There's a reason why you're the most popular guest on this program. Tenfold, my friend, it's with all this knowledge that you share with us. And I'm extremely grateful to uh, call you a friend uh, as well, Marshall
0: thank you thank you michael i like you
1: i like you too marshall i like you a lot absolutely you know i
0: mean to me you and i are
1: psychic blood brothers we are my friend we are and of course if you want any more information on mr marshall masters go to dot com and uh, read the articles get the books they're all fantastic i've read some of your books in the past marshall and you know i'm never left disappointed by any anything that you have written you're a great writer my friend and I look forward to reading the the next book, by the way. Revelation and Planet X, the Cobridon Bible in the Gold Connection.
0: And for those of you out there who are interested entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, I'm working on getting the website up and going. But if you want to reach out and contact me and get the ball rolling, you can write me at marshall with two L's at marsbeta.org.
1: Very, very nice. Uh, yes, that is marsbeta.org. Marshall at marsbeta.org. And uh, once again, Marshall, thank you for being a part of the program, my friend. I will talk to you on the other side. Awesome. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was my guest, Mr. Marshall Masters. Go check out his website, yowusa.com. Y-O-W-U-S-A.com. You can go to michaeldeacon.com for further information on everything related to this program. Check out the merchandise. Join us over on patreon.com forward slash michaeldeacon. And definitely check out that merchandise. If you like this show and want to support this program, grow and prosper michaeldeacon.com. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night.
2: it fast, how can I escape this irresistible grasp, can't keep my eyes from the circling skies, tongue tied, twisted, just a my wings Unneeded warnings I thought I thought of everything No navigator To find my way home Unlaid and empty And turned to stone A soul intention That's learning to fly conditions. Grounded but determined to try Can't keep my eyes from the circling skies Tongue-tied, twisted, just an earthbound mystic degrees I... Lighting um, difference. Check those lights. The things are The birds try get ready, okay. Once nice ball. They the ready back. to Take off Ready, man? Through the roof of the night There's no sensation to compare with this Suspended animation A state of bliss Can't keep my mind from the circling skies Tongue-tied, twisted, just an earthbound mystic eye